0: Hey, everybody, it is Thursday, April 20th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mosh Wanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I said April 20th, but it's 420. How will you be celebrating today?
1: <laughs> well, at 420, I will probably be in the car with my daughter picking her up from school. So um, things change a bit when you become a parent. <laughs>
0: Yes, folks, 420 uh, Honorary Cannabis Appreciation Day around the world. I remember there was a time not so long ago, Jill, where I feel like I had friends in high school or college that would celebrate this day very differently. But now we're responsible adults.
1: In Ann Arbor, Michigan, 420 is Hash Bash, which is about what you would expect that it is. (laughs) Okay, with that, let's get to some headlines here. The Supreme Court was set to rule on medical abortions, but says it needs more time. The judge's new deadline to make a decision and what it means for abortion drugs in the meantime, even more young people, the victims of gun violence for accidentally going to the wrong place. We'll tell you about the shooting of two cheerleaders in Texas. Deal or no deal when it comes to budget cuts? No deal, says Joe Biden, after House Republicans laid out a plan to cut more than $100 billion from the budget. Speaking of the budget, the U.S. is sending about $325 million in additional military aid to Ukraine, the 36th package of Pentagon weapons since the war began. Why the earth could be in for the warmest year on record? If you're a Facebook user, you could be eligible for some settlement money stemming from a data breach. We'll tell you everything you need to know. And the 109-year-old New Jersey man who still drives himself and does his own laundry doles out some advice to live as long as he has.
0: It's interesting advice, Jill. People should stay tuned for that.
1: Plus, Mosh has on this day in history.
0: Your clue today, if you build it, they will come. <laughs>
1: All right, to our top story, the future of medical abortion in America still in the hands of the Supreme Court, which just bought itself a little bit more time to make a decision. Literally two more days. In the meantime, the court temporarily extended access to that abortion drug, Mifepristone, with Justice Alito setting a new deadline for their ultimate decision to 11.59 p.m. on Friday. Again, until then, Alito allowing the abortion pill to stay on the market with no new restrictions If anybody is listening right now and thinking, okay, didn't the court already rule on abortion overturning Roe v. Wade last summer? Yes, and at the time, the court signaled that they were done with the issue. Brett Kavanaugh even went as far as saying that it was time to return the issue of abortion to the people and their elected representatives in the democratic process. But less than a year later, they've got this abortion pill case before them and a ruling on mifepristone is hugely significant And that's because in combination with another drug called misopristol, it is the most common method to terminate a pregnancy in the U.S. It accounts for about half of all abortions and a Supreme Court ruling overturning FDA approval for the drugs that would impact all 50 states, even states where abortion rights are still protected.
0: Yes. And of of course, that decision is still up in the air here, uh, the direction they go. And we can talk about the implications of all that a little later in this conversation. So the clock is ticking right now. We're going to be watching today uh, and tomorrow for their ultimate decision unless they punt the ball again. So this all started with a group called the Alliance Defending Freedom. It's an anti-abortion rights group. They filed a lawsuit in Texas saying that the FDA wrongfully approved mifepristone back more than 20 years ago in the year 2000. And this group specifically filed it with U.S. District Court overseen by Judge Matthew Kasmerick. He's a Trump appointee who shares anti-abortion views. And so they made a point of filing this case in his district, hoping for this exact outcome. So in an unprecedented ruling last month, Kaczmarek, basically overruled the FDA here saying they wrongfully decided on the approval of the drug, wanted to freeze its use, and that has led to now uh, appeal upon appeal. So above a U.S. district court in the federal system, you then have a U.S. appellate court. And so the appeals went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They partially blocked his ruling, but they did still impose limits on how mifepristone can be used and distributed. That is what has now brought us to the Supreme Court, the Biden administration— an emergency appeal here. And so the Supreme Court is going to figure out how they want to approach this. Will they deal with these lower court rulings? Will they want to hear a full case on it? There are huge implications here for this decision because this is the court system basically saying we can overrule the medical expertise uh, and approval of the FDA. We don't know why the Supreme Court punted on this again and gave themselves another 48 hours. Is there some sort of internal dispute? It's really unclear here. It was just a one-page memo, no explanation from Alito, just saying, hey, drug's still available. We will come back to you on Friday night on all of this. And what's notable here, Jill, and one of the reasons that the court is also hearing this is there are uh, conflicting rulings here. We told you about the Texas judge who overruled uh, the FDA effectively. There was also another federal judge last month up in Washington state who actually ruled in favor of the drug. And so one of the roles the Supreme Court plays in our system is to deal with uh, lower court rulings when they conflict with each other. And that's what they face here.
1: Mosh, we launched the Mo News voicemail this week, 1-800-711-MOSH. And we're already getting some really good questions and comments, including one about this topic of abortion. All right, so let's play our first question. Hi, Jill and Mo. My name is Sarah from Phoenix, Arizona, And I have a question regarding the, you know, that one abortion pill that may not be legal anymore. I was watching my local news and they said something about how doctors, even if the court rules it not legal, can still issue it off-label. And I don't know what off-label means, so I was hoping that you guys could explain that. Thanks so much. So this is about off-label use of mifepristone.
0: Yeah, this is a topic uh, that is coming up frequently and will be in even more focus should the courts overrule the FDA here. So Sarah, first of all, appreciate your question. It's an important question. And I will start this by saying, this is all speculative at this point because we are awaiting a court ruling. But what this case is about is FDA approval of mifepristone, which is approved for abortion, Cushing's disease, and fibroids. So that is its on-label use. On-label meaning that the FDA has approved it, for that sort of use. What they mean by off-label use here is that if the courts do overrule the FDA, doctors who choose to still prescribe it would be doing so in an off-label capacity. And there are many calling for that, including top Democrats who are saying, FDA, ignore this ruling, doctors, ignore the courts if they overrule on mifepristone. And we should say, off-label use is not uncommon. Think about a lot of drugs that were approved for one thing, but then doctors find out they're actually also useful for other treatments. It's actually estimated that up to 20% of all medications are prescribed for ailments that are not approved by the FDA. Drugs, for instance, that are approved for OCD, but also used for Alzheimer's. Notably, misopristol, Jill, which you mentioned earlier, the other drug that's used for abortions as part of the two-drug regimen with mifepristone, misopristol was originally approved for ulcers, but they found it useful when they were dealing with abortions. So it's still really early here, and we can't say for certain what this may mean. But for example, the court could say no to mifepristone for abortion, but say it's still okay to be used for Cushing's or fibroids. The court could say no mifepristone at all. If they're more precise in their ruling, doctors would have an easier time prescribing it off label in states, of course, where abortion remains legal. Uh, If they completely overrule it, that would then lead to more questions about off-label use.
1: Yeah, apparently off-label use is so common that virtually every drug is used off-label in some capacity. You mentioned a few examples. One of the most popular um, beta blockers, technically approved by the FDA to treat high blood pressure. Some doctors use them to treat migraines.
0: Yeah, there are hundreds of drugs out there that were officially approved by the FDA for one thing, but then over time, doctors found they were useful for other things. And so that's off-label use. And so in this case, how would that work? Uh, it remains up in the air here. But again, Sarah, thank you for the question. And we thank all of you who are leaving us uh, messages over at one eight hundred seven one one 711 mosh Leave your name, where you're from, and uh, your questions. And we'll try to answer them as frequently as we can.
1: You can call one eight hundred seven one one 711 jill and we could just talk Seinfeld if you want. <laughs>
0: I haven't tried that number. We should, we should see if somebody has it. Jill.
1: I'm just kidding, but we really should, Moshe. You get to have all the fun here.
0: On season five, episode four, Jill, what did you make of Kramer?
1: No, you could tell me all of the Seinfeld references that I missed in the podcast.
0: Oh, it's a correction line. Yes,
1: Exactly. Okay, on to our next story and what is now becoming an all-too-familiar story. Two other teens were shot after what seems like an innocent mistake. We hate to start the podcast this way for a third straight day, but sadly, this keeps on happening. Peyton Washington is a Texas cheerleader, just 18 years old. She was shot after her friend accidentally opened the door to the wrong car in a Texas supermarket parking lot. That parking lot, it's just east of Austin, used as a carpool pickup spot for members of her cheer group. So here's what happened. Heather Roth, who was one of the team members that were transferring rides in that parking lot after practice, said that she got out of her friend's car and into a car that she thought was hers. It wasn't. um, And there was actually a man in the passenger seat. She said she panicked and got back into her friend's car, but that man got out of his vehicle and approached She said she tried to apologize through her friend's car window, but the man pulled out a gun and started to fire. Police say Roth herself was grazed by a bullet, but her teammate, Peyton Washington, was shot in the leg and back. Doctors actually had to remove part of her spleen. She's in critical condition. As for the suspect, police arrested 25-year-old Pedro Rodriguez Jr. He is charged with engaging in deadly conduct, a third-degree felony, Washington's dad, speaking out to the media Wednesday, he said he was shocked the suspect went so far as to shoot anyone. Kalen Washington saying, quote, he raised his hands and then brandished his weapon and then just started shooting at the girls. You watched her walk up to your door on accident. It's a girl in a cheer outfit. He said the suspect didn't even say anything before shooting.
0: Sort of like the situation report in Kansas City where there were no words exchanged, just gunfire this is the latest jill in a string of shootings in this country apparently sparked by someone showing up at the wrong place and someone with weapons just firing in the first case we've been talking about for a few days ralph Yarl, a 16 year old in kansas city was shot in the head and arm after going to the wrong address to pick up his younger brother's we actually got an update in that case on Wednesday. Jill, the shooter, Andrew Lester, he's the 84-year-old man, pleaded not guilty in court to the felonies he's charged with. Lester remains free after posting bond, but during the hearing, the judge did add several conditions, including that he can't leave the state of Missouri, he must surrender his passport, uh, there's monitoring of his cell phone, and right now, after all of that, he is not allowed to possess any weapons right now. So that was the second case there. And then there's the other tragedy in upstate New York, where a uh, young woman, Kaylin Gillis, was traveling with another car. They were looking for a friend's house. They went up the wrong driveway, were turning around, but the man who lived there just decided to go out on his porch, open fire, killing Gillis. And to just give you a sense of how normal this is, as the police were responding to the 911 call uh, about Gillis being shot, they actually went to the wrong address first. That's how dark and confusing things are in that part of upstate New York. Jill, unfortunately, as we prep this podcast, I found another case, which I'm reading in on in Gastonia, North Carolina, in the past 24 hours, where kids were playing outside, their ball rolled into a neighboring yard, a 24-year-old suspect came out firing, a bullet grazes the six-year-old, the mother who's outside, and then hits the father who's been hospitalized. Again, this is a, a fourth case here in North Carolina.
1: These shootings have have captured the national spotlight and sparked yet another conversation about gun violence. I just want to read an excerpt from this NBC News story, which I think encapsulates the mood in the country right now. In an era of frequent mass shootings, Americans know all too well that tragedy lurks nearly everywhere. Schools, churches, offices, grocery stores, movie theaters. But these incidents in the span of just six days have deepened a gnawing sense that no place is truly safe not even the front porch of an ordinary house on an ordinary street in suburban Kansas City. And then they quote John Feinblatt, who is the president of Everytown for Gun Safety, an organization that advocates for gun control measures, who says the truth is that we are living in a nation that is increasingly shooting first and asking questions later. I think parents are asking, is my child next?
0: Yeah, that's the unfortunate situation because then that only reinforces the cycle here where everyone lives in fear. More people are armed and more prone to pull the trigger. In the first two cases involving people shot after going to the wrong home, it's brought forth a conversation about stand your ground laws, castle doctrine. Uh, While that's not an issue in New York, it could come up in the Missouri case. About 30 states have some form of stand your ground laws uh, defining how and where a person can defend themselves when they feel their life is in danger. Jill, it's just so sad having to report on this stuff every day um, and this feeling of helplessness that that people have w- when it comes to this sort of thing, though I do think that this conversation feels like it's coming to a head here. Policymakers are listening to this. And so whether it is some form of background check, some form of new mental health policy, I think there's a realization that something has to be done in a country that has more guns than people. And it turns out, Jill, that while the U.S. has 4% of the world's population, we have more than half of the world's guns in civilian hands so you know i think the messages i get from people across the political spectrum is something does need to be done here there are people on the right who are like don't take away my guns people on the left who want to take away all the guns the gun rights will be somewhere in between everybody uh based on the constitution that we have etc but people shouldn't have to be fearful about ringing a doorbell or turning around on the wrong
1: driveway We talk about this idea of common sense gun laws. I think that it was on um, the Mo News Instagram. I saw a comment in regard to the 85-year-old, the one that shot Ralph Jarl, pointing out that if you have a driver's license, for example, you need to get it renewed. You might need to go and take an eye test. You might need to go and take another driver's test and make sure that it's still safe for you to be behind the wheel. Does something like that exist for gun laws? If you are a gun owner, should you be required to get an updated test to make sure that you're not suffering from any new mental illness that you didn't have when you first bought that gun? Those types of things seem to make sense.
0: Right. I mean, in, in his case, he could have gotten the permit 30, 40 years ago. He's now in his mid 80s. He might be suffering from some issues. Uh, this is a rule that exists in lots of countries, Jill, uh, Israel, for one, by the way, they require you to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist every year and go to a gun range and test your acumen with guns to make sure that the people carrying guns Uh, can actually aim them. So some sort of training, some sort of mental health checks, some sort of expiration date on gun permits, all things that have been brought up in this conversation.
1: Also on the Mo News Instagram, we heard from a ton of military personnel who said that for them to have a gun, it requires so much training and regulation, so much more than just a regular civilian. All right, now let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens. I have been drinking their AG1 supplement in the mornings now for the past few weeks. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder, just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It is easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day. Knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal. It's an opportunity to start to take ownership of your health. Everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with and Branch. We have and Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They're completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONews at bowlandbranch.com that is bowl and branch b o l l a n d branch.com that promo code monews m o n e w s for 15% 15% off your order okay time now for the speed read let's start with politics and deal or no deal when it comes to raising the debt limit i'll give you one guess moshe what do you think
0: if it's congress and they have a few months left before having to meet a deadline jill it is most definitely no deal okay. <laughs>
1: All right, this from Politico. President Biden on Wednesday said House Republicans' debt limit proposal is a non starter. The GOP proposal, in exchange for avoiding the nation defaulting on its debt, would impose deep cuts to critical programs across the board. Speaker Kevin McCarthy unveiled their plan to raise the debt limit while cutting federal spending, saying that he hoped to pass that package next week. The GOP plan looks to repeal clean energy tax credits. Yank back tens of billions of dollars that Democrats included for IRS enforcement in their signature tax, climate and health care bill last year. They want to end Biden's pause on student loan payments and interest, block his student loan forgiveness plan and increase work requirements for certain people to receive SNAP food and nutritional assistance from the government. And it would also claw back unspent pandemic aid, ease permitting requirements for energy projects, and overhaul other welfare requirements, including for Medicaid.
0: Yeah, there's a lot there. And uh, the Democrats in the Biden White House are basically like, no, none of it. (laughs) We just want a clean debt limit increase like you gave Republican Congress former President Trump three times. And so that's something that uh, has come up here is they're just like, don't mess with the debt limit. It is literally our borrowing power globally. It is our economic reputation, has huge ramifications. So you can discuss all these budget cuts all you want, but uh, we would discuss that separately. Now for Republicans, they're like, this is our time for leverage because the president doesn't want to default on debt. So this is our opportunity to ask for some of the things that we might not be able to get out of him otherwise. So the debt limit clock is ticking. Predictions vary on when the U.S. could default on debt. Some say it's as early as June. Others say it's as late as September. So either way, the government has some fun summer plans ahead here, Jill. The GOP proposal would raise the debt limit by about $1.5 trillion or through March of next year, whichever comes first, which would mean, by the way, if they somehow get through this, we'll have to do this whole song and dance all over again next year in election year, which is another opportunity for Republicans to uh, twist the president's arm on spending cuts. Uh, as we've told you on this podcast, the debt limit been around for 100 years, been increased more than 100 times, and uh, for the most part, without any pressure. In recent years, though, specifically when you have a Democrat in the White House, Republicans in Congress, that's when these things tend to be contentious.
1: Speaking of the budget, from the AP, the U.S. is sending Ukraine about $325 million in additional military aid, including an enormous amount of artillery rounds and ammunition as the launch of the spring offensive against Russian forces approaches. The U.S. has declined to say exactly how much munitions will be sent to Ukraine, but the latest package resembles other recent deliveries, which included rockets from high mobility artillery rocket systems, as well as an array of other missiles and anti-tank ammunition. It will all be pulled from Pentagon stocks so it can go quickly to the front lines.
0: Yeah, one of the things they're doing here is also pulling weapons that might be close to expiration or have been sitting around for a while. And it's always an opportunity for the Pentagon to buy new supplies as they send this. For anyone who's keeping track, this is now the 36th package, the Pentagon has sent of weapons to Ukraine since the war began last February. It brings the total U.S. military aid to $36 billion. When you combine it with economic aid and other items, we're talking about closer to $150 billion overall. Jill, one thing we should note, this all comes, this announcement comes, after those classified documents were released in recent weeks that we've told you about on this podcast, showing Ukraine is in rough shape, desperately needs more aid. Uh, unclear how well this offensive will do, is totally dependent on US weapons and intel to keep up the war effort. And that comes despite getting much more optimistic comments publicly from the Pentagon. So I think that's important to keep in mind is uh, you know the old adage in Washington, don't, don't look at what they say, look at what they do. And clearly here, the US is determined that uh, many more weapons are needed for Ukraine to keep it up and ensure that Putin can't take more of their country.
1: From Axios, a double whammy of natural climate cycles and human-caused climate change will likely make this next year Earth's warmest on record. Forecasters now expect that a moderate El Nino, the climate pattern characterized by warmer than usual sea surface temperatures, will develop this summer, bringing sweeping shifts to weather patterns worldwide. El Nino teams up with human-caused climate change and pushes global average surface temperatures higher. Even a relatively weak event could lead to new records for the warmest year in 2023 and 2024.
0: Yeah, we've been lucky. The last three years, we've been experiencing La Nina, uh, which features cooler than usual sea surface temperatures in the Pacific. That is now given way to the transition to El Nino. This is something that constantly happens. But what's factoring in here is that it does come now in an era of climate change. And so we should note the last global heat record occurred back in 2016, which was an El Nino year. The past eight years were the warmest period on record. And in just the last few weeks, ocean temperatures have reached new levels. And that's where they determine La Nina versus El Nino. These are basically ocean systems happening out in the Pacific that have a global impact. Some areas uh, see more rain, some areas see drought, some areas see record lows, some areas see record highs. Uh, Record highs is uh, one of the fears here in the U.S. over the summer. We don't know exactly when El Nino will begin. Some computer models believe it'll be beginning in the next couple of months. Some think it'll happen in the fall. Either way, we will be seeing an El Nino and it's just something to be aware of uh, as we uh, live through these next couple of years here, Jill.
1: From CNBC, you have a few months to act to get Mark Zuckerberg to cut you a check. Yes, that Mark Zuckerberg. Anyone who has used Facebook in the last 15 years has until August to claim their share of a $725 million class action settlement. That lawsuit alleged privacy violations by the social media company. The lawsuit was prompted in 2018 after Facebook disclosed that the information of 87 million users was improperly shared with Cambridge Analytica. Remember that. So, people who had an active US Facebook account between May of 2007 and December of 2022 have until August 5th to enter a claim. Individual settlement payments haven't been established yet because the payout will depend on how many users submit claims and how long each user maintained a Facebook account. Facebook users can make a claim by visiting Facebook User Privacy Again, that is Facebook User Privacy and entering their name, address, email address, and confirming that they lived in the U.S. and were active on Facebook between those dates. In case you're driving and you didn't have a pen to jot that down, we will put the link in our show notes.
0: Yes, and it even applies if you deleted your Facebook account sometime uh, during that 15-year era between 07 and 2022. Notably, Jill, a few people messaged me being like, did you have to share the link on Instagram for everybody? (laughs) Can you stop telling people about this? Because I would like as big a check as possible And as Jill mentioned, we don't know the payment size yet. It'll depend on how long you are on Facebook. It'll also depend on how many people apply for a uh, settlement check. So it could pay for a coffee. It could pay for several coffees. We're about to find out. And so just to refresh, folks, the Cambridge Analytica scandal was all related to Facebook sharing private information with this third-party company. Cambridge Analytica was a political consulting firm that was being used by presidential campaigns, including Donald Trump's. And so, uh, effectively, Facebook settled here. It's one of those settlements, like the Fox one we told you about yesterday, where Facebook admitted doing no harm, but wrote a check for more than $700 million.
1: And finally, let's end with some advice from a 109-year-old. This story from NBC News, At 109, Vincent Dransfield still zips around town in his car every day, buying lunch, running errands, and shopping for groceries. He lives independently in his own house in Little Falls, New Jersey, where he's resided for nearly 80 years, since 1945. He requires no help navigating between the home's main floor, his bedroom upstairs, and the basement where he does his laundry. This is all according to his family. He says he's never had major diseases like cancer or heart disease, Dransfield's just always been healthy. He has one child, three grandchildren, and seven great-grandchildren. His wife of 54 years died in 1992. So, Mosh, what does he say that his secret is?
0: Joe, believe it or not, he says it's Ovaltine, that milk-flavoring <laughs> nutritional supplement. He drinks it every day for breakfast, and he says it must be the Ovaltine. That's why I'm 109 years old. He's been so outspoken about it that apparently when he turned 109 nine years ago, He made everyone drink Ovaltine at his birthday party. He also, Jill, by the way, says he likes Italian food, hamburgers, uh, milk, chocolate, other sweets. He drinks coffee every day, occasionally drinks a beer. He does say that he does eat salad as well. He worked for 60 years as an auto parts manager before retiring in his late 70s. He says he still wanted to work, but his wife at the time said it was time for him to quit. And Jill, that is more than 30 years ago at this point. He's been in retirement for 30 years now at 109. Uh, one thing he also tells NBC is that he considers himself an optimist. I feel like this is an important part. He has a great sense of humor, likes knowing everyone's name in town, and looks at just the outside of things. One interesting thing we should mention, by the way, one of the reasons this is so rare is he's also a man at 109. When you look at the numbers of people living over 100, while those numbers have increased over the years, 85% of them are women, 15% are men. Uh, typically, women live much longer than men.
1: It's funny. My grandma used to say that it was her nightly gin and tonic that kept her so healthy because she said it killed the bacteria.
0: I'm going to be frank here. I think the man just has really good genes. No heart disease or cancer at 109. Uh, he drinks Ovaltine, eats Italian food and hamburgers, and drinks a beer. He also said, by the way, he started smoking at age 50 because someone handed him a cigarette, and he quit at age 70 because he just wasn't into it anymore. So- Really, he's breaking a lot of rules here, but congratulations, Vincent. At 109 years old, you have won. You have won at life. All right, now time for On This Day in History. We're going to start in 1951, Jill. The first bypass surgery on this day in history, a Romanian surgeon used a section of the stomach to bypass the esophagus. Uh, Since then, it has become a very common procedure, uh, organ transplants, organ bypasses, etc., but it was a uh, innovation just over 70 years ago. Also on this day in 2010, in more recent memory, an explosion occurred on the Deepwater Horizon oil rig out there in the Gulf of Mexico. Some of you might remember this out there off the coast of Louisiana, leading to the largest oil spill in history. All right, a bit of music news here. On this day in 1959, Dolly Parton put out her first single, Puppy Love. That is how long Dolly Parton has been making music.
1: Mosh, and she's still going strong. I feel like she's more relevant than ever right now.
0: Yeah, she's been making music for 64 years. And Dolly, I mean, people just want her to be president. They want her to be everything. I think she helped fund, like, the Moderna vaccine through one of her foundations.
1: And waited until she was eligible to get it. Remember when the vaccines first came out and everyone was trying to kind of like. Yeah figure out the system and how they could get ahead. She was like, I'll wait my turn. Right. Even though I paid for this thing. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I paid for the it, vaccine, but I will wait my turn. Dolly's an American legend. A bit of a gaming history for everyone today. It is the 39th birthday of Duck Hunt, released this week by Nintendo in 1984. Jill, did you ever play?
1: I was not a Duck Hunt gal. Tetris, Super Mario Brothers, more my speed.
0: Staying with Nintendo history on this day It was this week, 34 years ago That Nintendo released the handheld game console The Game Boy Jill, I feel like they couldn't get away With calling something a Game Boy uh, No, in this it would day. be
1: a game person
0: Definitely <laughs> <laughs> And I will end with the answer to the clue From the beginning of the podcast If you're not familiar with the quote If you build it, they will come It comes to us from the film Field of Dreams Which premiered in theaters 34 years ago this week in 1989
1: a classic, Mosh.
0: A great movie. I feel like peak Kevin Costner, but he's certainly having a moment now with Yellowstone.
1: All right, Mosh, we want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: And give us a call over at 1 800 711 Mosh. Uh, to ask your questions, leave your comments, etc. Uh, we played our first one today and then we will create... Actually, Jill, I will send you the website link to create one 711 jill By the way, I tried to create a Mo News one and they wanted like a lot of money and the Moche one was like really cheap. <laughs> I don't know what that says, but that's why I went with the MoSh one and not the Mo News one. But see what they have for Jill and then we'll give you guys a bunch <laughs> of options of phone numbers you can call. <laughs> for now, again, it's one 800 711 mosh Uh, And don't forget to follow us over on the Insta at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H for the latest and greatest.
1: All right, call me maybe. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.